0: Welcome to the Mouthful Podcast, where the Diverse Dental Society amplifies our voices to discuss the importance of oral health for everyone.
1: Oral health is such a vital component of overall health, and that is the message we want to share with you. Together, we can improve quality of life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of The Mouthful. I am Levette Henderson, president of the Diverse Dental Society. I have been working in the oral health arena now for close to 25 years with the National Dental Association. The National Dental Association works to increase oral health access and raising the awareness of the importance of oral health for a diverse population. And now... I would like my partner to introduce herself.
0: Hi everyone. I'm Dr. Felicia Frizzell. I am from Mescalero, New Mexico, and I am the first Mescalero Apache dentist. I was driven to a career in dentistry after observing the oral health needs in my own community and learning that Native Americans suffer from the greatest oral health disparities in this country. We are so happy to be your co-host as we hope to generate awareness of issues in oral health and their impact on all of us. Lavette and I are two of the 12 founding members of the Diverse Dental Society, which brings us into the meat of today's episode.
1: And in today's episode, we're going to take you to the root of where the Diverse Dental Society, aka DDS, was born. The Society is made up of members from the Hispanic Dental Association, the National Dental Association, and the Society of American Indian Dentists. We realized we were all working towards the same goal and striving for oral health equity in our communities.
0: So although our groups and cultures are distinct, we knew that working together we could achieve more for all of our communities. In today's podcast, we will share a discussion with the presidents of each of our sister organizations that make up DDS. So help me welcome our guest
1: today, Dr. Shirley Butler with the National Dental Association. Dr. Mercedes Motup-Martinez with the Hispanic Dental Association and Dr. Kristen Hassey with the Society of American Indian Dentists.
0: Before we get into our discussion, why don't each of you take a couple of minutes to share with the audience your organizations? Um, Dr. Lee, tell us about yourself and your involvement with the NDA.
2: Okay, good day to all of you. My name is Dr. Cheryl Lee Butler. I am the 98th president of the National Dental Association. And I'd like to just share a little bit about our organization and I'll start with its mission. The National Dental Association promotes oral health equity among people of color by harnessing the collective power of its members It also advocates for the needs of and mentors dental students of color. And we are raising the profile of the profession in our communities. The National Dental Association had its beginning in the early 1900s. And at that time it was named the Washington Society of Colored Dentists in the District of Columbia. Later changing its name in 1907 to the Robert T. Freeman Dental Society in honor of the first black dental college graduate it was from 1913 to 1932 the organization grew to include many states and our name which was then the interstate dental association became the national dental association so for 109 years the national dental association has been a national forum for minority dentists and a leader in advancing their rights within the dental profession, the armed services, the government, and the private sector. Through scholarships and support programs, the NDA promotes dentistry as a viable profession. And then lastly, I'd just like to say, our goals and commitments are shared by our auxiliary organizations, namely the National Dental Association Foundation, the Auxiliary to the National Dental Association, the National Dental Assistance Association, the National Dental Hygienists Association, the Student National Dental Association, and the Undergraduate Student National Dental Association. So together today, these groups compose a membership of more than 10,000 strong.
0: Well, that's great, Dr. Lee. Well, thank you so much for that um, brief history. I know there's a lot more to the NDA um, and we'll definitely get back into that. Some of those challenges that the NDA has had. Um, but Dr. Mota, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the Hispanic Dental Association?
3: Thank you so much. Yes, uh, my name is Mercedes Mota Martinez. I am a practicing dentist in Corona, New York. I've been practicing in the area where I grew up for almost forty years already, and. This year, I am proud to say that I have become the president of the Hispanic Dental Association. The Hispanic Dental Association was founded um, in 1990. We are, uh, we are not that uh, old in, per se, but uh, we uh, believe that there was a need for um, uh, a Hispanic organization And the vision of the founder was to empower healthcare professionals to increase oral health equity and improve healthcare equity in the Hispanic Latinx community and as well as the underrepresented populations. We we have a mission that is that of education. We need to educate. We need to service and we for that we have the uh, the different student chapters and professional chapters. Uh, we do the advocacy and also leadership uh, programs to empower our Hispanic uh, dentist and other underrepresented uh, communities.
0: Not- No, Thank you so much, Dr. Moda. We'll definitely get back to you and kind of learn more about how you moved into leadership with the HDA.
4: Yes, thank you. um,
0: um, Dr. Hasse, um, it gives me great pleasure um, as the immediate past president of the Society of American Indian Dentists to welcome Dr. Hasse to our podcast. So thank you for joining us. Can you please tell us about said?
4: Hi everyone. Um, My name is Dr. Kristen Hossey. I am um, representing Society of American Indian Dentists as the current president. Uh, Thank you, Felicia, for the introduction. Um, And at said, we promote and support the unique concerns of American Indian Alaskan Native um, and Indigenous dentists in the US. So um We focus a lot on mentorship and encouraging our youth to pursue dentistry, but um, we also obviously have a, a lot of um, oral health disparities that we try to address in our community as well. And um, I would say that SED is um, very small and very new still. We've been around for 30 years since 1990, 33 years total. And our founding member and the first American Indian dentist is still alive today. So um, that's kind of a unique fun fact about set.
1: Yes, it is.
0: It's so great to see um, all of you as female leaders in the dental profession, Um, you know, being a female dentist myself. um, So I'd like to get to know more about each of you and how you all became leaders in your profession and your organizations. Let's start with you, Dr. Lee.
2: Okay. Well, you know, I had stepped back from organized dentistry back in the 90s to raise my children and to grow my dental practice after having been an officer in the Robert T. Freeman Dental Society back in the 80s, my local chapter. But in 2012, I received a call and I was asked to come back to the Robert T. Freeman Dental Society to help increase membership. So I came back and I was immediately elected secretary then vice president, president-elect, and then president for two years. And during that time, I started representing the local chapter in the House of Delegates at our annual conventions. And it was either the second or third year where I was quite comfortable, actually, minding my own business in the back of the room. I was elected secretary, and then I was followed by me being Elected chairman of the board for two years, then president elect, and now here I am, the 98th president. I never had the desire or dream to serve as president of the National Dental Association, but here I am with all of you, which is an honor, honor and memorable experience. And actually, this has been an incredible year. I am having the time of my life.
0: Well, that's fantastic.
2: You know, um, I I think I just want to cut in
1: there uh, just a little bit. You know, it's it's strange how leaders seem like they always come from the back of the room. You know, the ones that we, you know, are quiet sometimes and, you know, they're just observing and someone sees them and really cascades them and, you know, and kind of mentors them, you know, through the way, and they just seem to blossom. And, you know, it's just great to see uh, diverse leaders um, taking that chance and that fire to move forward. So we'll move to Dr. Let's see, who wants to go next? Dr. Hasi.
4: Hi. So, um, that is special to me because I actually got involved as a pre-dental student and um the first conference I attended, um I had such a great time. I got to meet an awesome network of people and um are really lifelong connections I've made through the network at SED. And um I also um as a dental student was very involved as our um student chapter president for said and um through that we did a lot of mentorship and networking as well and then after dental school um i just kind of continued to attend conferences and have kind of moved into leadership as time has gone on so it's been something that um for me was very important to my career um development all the way from before i even applied to dental school and now um it's it's even more important because it's so important that we're represented. So, um, yeah, that's my, my action.
0: And it's been great um, seeing you, Dr. Hasi, like from the early years and from being a dental student to now you're an amazing leader. And just to see you grow so much and just take um, leadership of our organization. And I'm really excited for the new directions that you're going to take the the SED into.
4: Thanks. I don't know what to say back, <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to hand it over to uh, Mercedes.
3: Well, okay, I could I could speak freely about this. I I, you know, I feel that uh, uh, that I was pushed into the leadership position role. Um, I uh, when I graduated uh, back in '86, I um, I was part of a dental office that had some issues with. Uh, fee schedule. This is how it all started. And, and there was a bus going to Albany to protest for those schedules that we have very low. So um, I said, I'm hopping into this bus because this is part of my community. Uh, and we were getting uh, hardly any, any pay. So I started advocating. I'm going to Albany almost every week uh, to get something, um, done. It took us, um, 10 plus years to get anything accomplished, but we did. And finally we raised the uh, fee schedule for the Medicaid population that we serve. And then we got more dentists involved after that, after they see, they, they, um, saw the movement I was offered, um, uh, a position in one of the, uh, Hispanic dental organizations in New York city. That would be the Spanish American medical dental society, which, uh, later on, I became the president and, and served for, uh, two terms. And then, uh, NISDA saw some potential in me. So the Queens County Dental S- Association. Called upon me and said that they needed representation of Hispanics in um, almost all uh, non Hispanic uh, uh, dentist organization. So I was actually the first ever woman dentist Hispanic to become president of that organization. And after that comes um, the HDA. Uh, the Hispanic Dental Association, which I hold dear, dear, because I saw the Hispanic Dental Association as the organization that really represented me. And uh, I entered the board and I was there for almost a year. And then um, I was pushed to the presidency. Uh, believe me, I, <laughs> I had no intention to become the president, but uh, uh, I'm glad that I did and things are are working wonderful and we moving forward and I'm glad also that we are part of the DDS uh, organization. So yes, it's been uh, quite a a journey for me uh, as a You've definitely
0: had an interesting journey, Dr. Mota, and I'm wondering, like, when you were you decide to become an advocate for your community? Can you describe some of the historical challenges your community has faced, and how that's resulted in the oral health equities that we know about?
3: Well, when I I I I was one of the first ever to actually hold health uh, uh, screening and health. Uh, clinics outside the uh, the environment of the um, office because we saw the need in our children when we uh, they come to the they were coming to the office they were in very bad shape very bad shape so we started a movement to uh, uh, do or, oral uh, presentations in school. We uh, started a movement of going uh, from um, uh, county to county. We we didn't stay in Queens. We went to the Bronx. We went to the Manhattan. We went to the uh, the areas that were really hit with the uh, the underserved because we are very much a little bit lacking uh, knowledge as to what we need to do. To preserve our teeth. That's the motivation was to encourage our patients, our community to be aware that there is a need of oral health as part of just uh, the regular health, overall health. So um, that's how I got started in serving the community. And to this day, we're doing those projects. We're taking buses, we're going to the schools.
0: So you're, you're not waiting for your patients to come to you. You're getting yeah. out there and trying to reach them where they're at.
3: Yes, we are. Yeah. We are We are bringing awareness to uh, churches and even senior centers. We are going mm-hmm. there as well.
0: That's great.
2: So I'll go next if that will be okay. So, you know, because we all have challenges similarly, but I'm going to kind of focus on back when... Uh, in 1965 when our members testified fighting for dental coverage for members in our communities. So and, is that National Dental Association? Uh, so yes. Yeah, so that's the, with the in, within the National Dental Association. And Congress passed dental coverage in Medicaid for children, but they denied coverage for adults. And then almost 50 years later... With the National Dental Association fighting in Congress for dental coverage in Medicare for our seniors, we know that the American Dental Association lobbied against it and the bill failed. And with the cost of dental care being exponentially high, it makes it extremely difficult for our seniors to get preventive dental care or, or preventive oral health care. And we know that It's been linked to other systemic diseases or our overall health. So we are battling this every day, as I know you all are, too. So that's one of the the current challenges that we are facing um, within our communities.
0: And I think Dr. Lee, like for the general public who's listening, they don't really even realize that um, programs like Medicaid Medicare see oral health is separate from overall health and that things are billed differently. It's like the mouth isn't even part of your body is how it's being treated. That's right. It's
2: exactly true. And so it, it happened years ago and they made it separate and they've put a cap on the, I was going to mention this a little later about reimbursements. You know, they put a cap on dental uh, insurance, whereas with the medical side, you know, they can continue to be treated throughout the year and we're allowed to see somebody twice a year and we can only imagine what can happen to somebody in a six month period.
0: hmm. Yep. So to the, all those people out there listening, you might hear like, oh, go get your dental checkup every six months. That wasn't created by um, oral health care professionals, that six month time period. That was created by insurance.
2: Right, and then years ago, it was, well, I too, Mercedes, I finished in 1983, so I really will celebrate my 40th anniversary (laughs) this year. And so when I was in school, they also mentioned that it was a Pepsodent commercial back in the 30s, and it said Mm -hmm. brush your teeth twice a day and visit your dentist twice a year.
3: Yes, yes. Um, You know, like going back to um, oral health and overall health, we uh, in the 90s had a campaign um, to go to uh, the medical office and bring awareness that not only you have to check the uh, blood pressure, and you know, you know that they have you open your mouth and say, ah, oh. mm-hmm. I said, when you open your mouth and say, ah, oh, take a look. If you see that spot, dark spot, send them to the dentist, don't just let them go. So we had that campaign in our, uh, uh uh, organization back then. And and we still sometimes when I speak with uh, with the uh, providers, I tell them, please, you know, if you see something that doesn't look quite right, just have them go to see the dentist and have us check because mm-hmm. prevention is the best medicine. That's
1: right. And I guess I would just kind of say that, you know, it, it would be... A great time when a dentist and a physician team up together.
3: Yes. You know,
1: there are so many statements out there. I've heard people say things like, well, I'm going to go to my doctor and I'm going to go to my dentist. Well, you know, our doctors are both physicians and dentists. They both are doctors, you know, so they, a dentist deserves the same respect as your physician that you go to. So, you know, it would be wonderful when the day comes and that's one of the things that the Diverse Dental Society uh, is fighting for is to make sure that we have that respect and that, everything is become equal. And that's one of the uh, inequities that we have. And I know all three organizations are fighting against.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dr. Hossie, could you chime in Um, as some of our listeners may know um, Native Americans, members of federally recognized tribes, they often have um, Indian health service um, resources available to them. Yet Native Americans um, in this country continue to face some of the worst oral health statistics among all races and backgrounds.
4: Right. So, um, yeah, so all, um, federally recognized tribes have signed an agreement with the government, right. Um, treaty rights, uh, guaranteeing healthcare and education. Um, however, accessing that healthcare can be really difficult. Um, Uh, And underfunded and um, confusing, uh, to say the least. Also, um, a large portion of our population are also um, Medicaid beneficiaries as well. So um, navigating um, that system is very confusing. Um, Every state's different. Um, Like you mentioned, it's um, different in the aspect that it's separate from medicine. And then it's also different in this aspect that um, some states have adult dental coverage, some don't. Every state has child coverage, Um, so that's a a whole other beast of um, figuring out insurance and Medicaid and um, access to care. But when you look at our population, our people, our patients, um, you you see devastating statistics. Um, by the age of one year old, 12 months old our you know our kids have two to four teeth and one in six of our um, native children have cavities by that time. So um, prevention and early education is is um, huge. it's important. So first tooth, first visit, that's what we always say. Um, we want to have happy visits, fun visits as soon as teeth come in um, so we can check. Right away, um, so that's important. And then you look at statistically, you see our elders suffer from a dentalism. I'm um, gonna start that sentence over. You see our elders suffer from a dentalism at a higher rate than any other um, racial demographic, and not only at a higher rate, but at an earlier age. So when we see articles coming out, like like what came out in New York Times last week, where over the pandemic, our life expectancy has decreased by six and a half years. Um, We know, you know, a dentalism plays a role in that because it affects life, life expectancy from a dental standpoint. Um, We know COVID has devastated our communities, but we also know that access to the dental chair during COVID was non-existent. So that's like, a whole whole other you know side topic, COVID, but um, yeah. So, but dentistry has been uh, you know put on the back burner during COVID, and we still have our kids, you know, need to get full care, full dental care. May need to get sedated, and this goes across all demographics, across all places in the U.S. Right now, is the kids can't get into the hospital to be sedated to do the full mouth dentistry when it's needed. And that's everywhere. Um, so that's something that's affected all of us with COVID is, um, elective care getting put on the back burner. Yeah.
3: Yes. I agreed hundred percent with that because we saw it here in, in our, uh, community and it was overwhelming when they came back to the chair, the amount of, uh, carries presented was overwhelming.
2: Yeah, my patient, this is, this is Dr. Lee and from the NDA, and us too, you know, they shut us down for 10 weeks, and, and what I do is my patient base is primarily patients with severe mental and physical challenges, and so we do put those patients, they're mainly adults at this point, but young adults included. But I'm lucky enough to have an anesthesiologist who comes into the practice and will sedate my patients for me because we can't get into the hospital either. But what has happened is um, we're so backed up from being out of the office for so long. And it's just very difficult to catch up because he doesn't come every week. He comes twice a month. And so it's been very difficult Uh, And because most of those patients are Medicaid patients in wards of the state, the government can't understand why we can't get them in fast enough. And it's just been difficult since then.
0: Yeah, we need to do a whole other episode about COVID and its impacts on oral health care and maybe how we can catch up and address that. Um, Dr. Lee, um, what has the NDA been able to do, maybe not specifically about um, catching up on people's oral health care after COVID, but how does the NDA help address the challenges and inequities in in the Black community?
2: Sure. So, you know, the NDA has dedicated our members to representing the concerns of ethnic minorities in dentistry. We are focusing on increasing access and achieving equity in underserved communities, advocating for equitable health care and improved health outcomes. And this year, um, I was blessed with the opportunity to address to address both the National Bar Association and the National Medical Association. And the interest momentum and the seed has been planted and it's our obligation to continue these discussions, to create the platform to challenge these inequities from all angles, um, medical, dental, and law, the same way DDS has come together to address these same challenges. So I'm excited to have had that opportunity, and I know we've been at the, um, the Hispanic Dental Association's meeting when it was combined with the, the Hispanic Medical and I, I was quite impressed with that. So that's how we are um, handling some of the challenges.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just love the uh, collaborations that, you know, that I'm actually hearing because, you know, it's not just about, um, you know, the oral health, um, the oral health dentist, you know, we have, did I just say oral health dentist? It's like oral health physician. <laughs> The oral health physicians and our regular physicians, you know, that is just something within itself. But to integrate or have the interprofessional side of having the nurses involved, which, you know, is lovely as well. um, And, you know, the national medical team and our lawyers involved. So I guess we'll move on to the. Hispanic Dental Association, how are you interacting and in dealing with the inequities that are amongst our communities?
3: Uh, besides educating our communities, we have uh, uh, an army of professional chapters and a student chapter. they going out there and really doing outreach and educating and providing, uh, supplies and providing, um, information to the uh, community. This is as much as we can do since, uh, before we used to have actual screening, but because of COVID, there is a limitation of that. So everything is closed down as far as us doing, um, uh, screening, but we have, we, uh, take partner with, um, a foundation and they have um, places where they have um, clinics set up. And then we volunteer our dentist member and perform uh, uh, prophylaxis, uh, other examination, fluor- fluoride applications. That's what we're doing because the limitation, as far as it is right now, it's very, it's very dramatic in, in the sense that we are you know, tie the hand, our hands are, are tied right now. I wish that uh, when this is all over, we could go back to doing what we were doing and helping more the community. Uh, to uh, I think it's a disservice to have us uh, uh, so limited right now.
0: And Dr. Hasi, what is said doing to help address the, the challenges that we're facing in our communities?
4: Yeah, so. Um, said, Society of American Indian Dentists, um, we want to see more Native dentists. We want to see more Native dentists working in Native communities serving Native patients. So we know when um, you have more diversity in dentistry, in health professions, that the patient um, quality of care and also access to care improves. So when you look at you know, where our patients, our people go for dental care um, at any given time, there could be about a 20% vacancy rate of positions of dentists where there's not even a provider there to provide care. So they can't get an appointment. Um, that's, that's one thing. The other thing is we're severely underrepresented in the dental health profession. So when we look back at 2019, the ADEA, American Dental Education Association data We had five um, American Indian students um, matriculate to dental school and for us to just be equally represented in that first year dental dental class, um, for us to be equally represented in that first year dental class, we would need 105 students to matriculate just to be equally represented in that class with, with our parity with the overall population. I think it's worth
0: repeating, Dr. Hasse. So how many, did you say it's how many current for this year in the entire United States? How many students are Native American? Yeah.
4: So the data I have from 2019, we had five students matriculate, five students. um,
0: Five, only five.
4: Five students in 2019 out of over 6,200 seats um, in dental schools across the nation. For us to have equal representation in that class, the class that started in 2019, we would have needed 105 students to start dental school that year. For every native dentist we have out there, just to be equally represented, we would need over 100. Um, And that's just for us to be, you know, at parity with where we are in the the demographics of the U.S. So we represent 1.7 percent of the United States population. In order to represent 1.7% of that first-year dental school class, we would need 105 students. And we had five.
0: Yeah, so we have a lot of work to do. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah.
4: And because of that, um, we really put a lot of our resources and our focus into helping our pre-dental students um, successfully matriculate um, because they're our future. And, um, that's really our mentorships, our main focus. We also do some outreach events and we like do some community events, but we're, we're a very small group and we're all across the country. And our biggest, strongest, you know, aspect of what we do is our mentorship for our youth. Um, and that's because we want to see them successfully, um, become dentists. So when we talk about race and ethnicity and dentistry and being underrepresented, um, we also can talk about structural barriers in the application process um, and the testing process. You know, all the different aspects of of applying to dental school that maybe leave some of our students in the dust. Um, in the past, we want to break those down. So we put a lot of time and energy and effort into making sure they're really prepared, so they can go to school and become successful dentists.
2: Yeah, those statistics. Uh, this is this is Dr. Lee. It's it's, it's really straight across the board. Now, I would say that your uh, statistics are lower than ours because we make up 12 percent of the U.S. population and only 3.8 percent of black dentists represent this population. And so it, it's very difficult. And the same thing as far as the admittance process. And I talk, I mean, I, we every university has a diversity and inclusion department, but less than one percent of the class is African-American. And so if we're less than one, I don't even know what percentage that would make five. And so, and I'm certain it's the same with the Hispanic Dental Association as well. And so, but I will just say that I was at the said convention and I met a young student and I was quite impressed with your mentoring program. And he was getting, he had already done very well on the DAT and he was getting ready to apply to dental school, but I was really impressed with the way that you mentor your students, and so I think I brought that back to the board because it was it something.
4: Yeah, and it's interesting because it's across professions. So, and it's also interesting um, to me that you know there's only really if you look around at said I'm I'm thinking it's probably the same for NDA and HDA, but pretty much all the dentists went to the same schools. I mean, there, there's a core group of schools, right? right. So like, when does that change, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and you see that in, in healthcare and in medicine as well. If you look at our native doctors, most of them went to like one of a handful of schools. So um, wh- what's what are these schools doing different, you know, why and why isn't it, you know, replicated across the board? So I find that interesting as well.
1: Well, I guess I'll jump in there on that uh, just a little bit, you know, just to uh, carry on the conversation a little bit. I believe what there's, what, 65, 66 dental schools? And um, all of those schools do not have student chapters that represent all three organizations that we have here on the line. And, you know, it would be wonderful when we're able to get to that point uh, Dr. Hasse, you know, to make sure that we are transforming all the schools to accept equally across the board, yes. you know, so that is something that we definitely need to continue, you know, that conversation on to make that happen because it shouldn't just be a group of five schools that we have these large classes and these, la- these large classes are not necessarily with you know, that uh, makeup, you know, so to speak, with the one and the in the four uh, percent that was talked about. Dr. Fontana, was it something you wanted to chime in?
0: Not really about the schools, but just really thinking about the mentoring and, you know, how it is going to take um, us Um, For for the general public, wanting to go into the dentist to see someone who looks like them, be their dental provider. Um, I currently work in my home community, and there has been nothing more rewarding or satisfying than to work on my own people. Um, I really feel like I'm making a difference doing that. And hopefully I can inspire other people when they see me to realize, hey, I can do this, too. So it doesn't just have to be the the stereotypical dentists that we're used to going to.
3: We are, uh, in the, um, moving forward in the, in a good direction. We have, uh, 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 increased the number of students. Like, um, if you will, uh, we do the student regional and right now we are going to have around 200 students that are part of the, uh, educational, uh, uh schools that are going to be present and these are d1 d2 d3 d4 so uh it's more than than the uh the average that we used to have before i don't have the exact numbers but i know we are 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 increasing in number i mean we are increasing in population to start with if you look at the uh, uh i was reading uh the hispanic um uh I believe almost for one or every five um, person living in, in the U.S. Um, yeah. today is of Hispanic of uh, Latinx descent. So, so that is about makes sixty point six million of us, and making us the largest ethnic min- uh, minority. So we are increasing in number as far as as, uh, uh, having a student in our schools and these are different school. I mean, granted that some school will take more than us than other school, you know, that's the way it works, you know, exactly,
4: but, um, exactly. Yeah. and it
3: shouldn't be that way. But yes, uh, some, some school are more prone to, uh, allow, uh, Hispanics, uh, student to, uh, come in and, and that is a factor that is not good for the rest of the, the others. So, you know, it is the system and we need to change the system, you know?
1: And I totally, uh, agree with that. You know, there are different systems, you know, that, uh, uh, DDS needs to really get on, which is why, well, one of the reasons why, uh, DDS was formed And um, as I said early on in the show, you know, part of this was going to be how uh, DDS came about. And for the roots of why we have our mission, which is our mission is to achieve equity in oral health as a vital component of overall health for the marginalized communities through education, service and advocacy. Our three organizations, for decades, have been working together. I'm talking back in the 1990s, I believe, for HDA. Yes. Um. In uh, said, I'm sorry, for HDA and NDA. And then, um, as time moved on, you know, there were different um, alliances. There were different programs that were um, established. That all three organizations, you know, came together on, and some of those groups were like, um, I believe it was the Multicultural All Health Alliance. You know, we've also worked on the Dental Pipeline National Program, the Dental Mentorship Council Program, which is where they brought our three organizations and because they wanted us to actually mentor those underrepresented minorities because there was no one there. And we know as our three organizations that we like to go to a a place where there's people that look like us to work on us. They understand our culture. They understand the dynamics that, you know, that the families go through on a daily basis, because again, we represent the underserved, we represent the marginalized communities. So again, our organizations over time have worked together. We did um, a Multicultural Oral Health Summit in 2012 in Boca Raton, Florida. So we realized then that there was, you know, some things and we kept working together. We kept working together, which was great. And then we said we need to have a Multicultural Oral Health Summit, too. And then as Dr. Fontenot said that there were 12 individuals that got together. as we was working on that uh, convention, we said, you know something, we actually need a society because there's a lot of things we've done over the years. We know we are better in numbers. We are better in strength. We know that we work together well. We work, you know, we built our trust over the years. So we came together and we built the Diverse Dental Society, which again is made up of the three organizations um, that we have on the line here today. Uh, Dr. Lee with the National Dental Association. We have Dr. Moto with the Hispanic Dental Association, and we have Dr. Hassie with Society of American Indian Dentists. You know, so we are we are making moves. This is one of the big moves that we've made. We have our first podcast called The Mouthful, and you know, it's it's just a wonderful thing that we're all able to get together. And help our communities. So, I'm going to um, ask Dr. Fontenot, who's also a past president of the Society of American Indian Dentists, to tell us about one of our first meetings that we had in Dallas.
0: Yeah, so we, well, there was that joint convention in boca raton in 2012 and i missed that because i had just graduated from dental school so i i couldn't go but i kept hearing great things like how much fun it was for us to see other groups and um so i think we all had a strong desire just to come back together and initially it was just so we could have a conference together and and see each other but like you said, it was during that planning phase that we just realized we had so many um, common challenges and it just made sense at that time to form a joint organization, which is the Diverse Dental Society. And yeah, it was a long process. It wasn't easy because even though we are all people of color, you can't just lump all the brown people in (laughs) together into one group. We're all really distinct. Yeah. So you know, we had many open conversations and heart-to-hearts that spent hours going on about how we were going to work together as a team. and. It's been, it's been pretty amazing and I really like that momentum that we have going. and um, you know it's, it's great that Lavette, she's our current DDS president. So I really envision you, you know, continuing with the mission and strengthening it and helping all of the three organizations work together so that um, we can improve oral health for all of us. Exactly. Exactly, and I think you know some of the
1: things that we have been able to move forward this year. You know, um, it really started in uh, 2021 where we had um, a virtual uh, summit where it brought all three organizations together, and we talked about some of our uh, challenges, especially during our president symposium, but doing. My year um, as, as president, you know, what I wanted to focus on, A number one, is to make sure that we understand that not only from the oral health professionals, but that the public is aware of our three organizations yeah. and that we are making sure that we have educational sessions, which we've had a couple of those this year. Um, we will be hopefully doing um, a joint outreach event. Uh, probably in the fall, maybe in New York, doing the Greater New York meeting, you know, which is a possibility. And we've done leadership training. So, you know, we are definitely trying to move our oral health professionals forward. And that includes those just trying to come into the field itself, because we need dentists, we need hygienists, we need dental assistants, more so on the dental side for all three organizations. So um, going back to the uh, other three organizations, how do you um, envision your organization improving or health for um, all? And whoever wants to chime in first, Mm -hmm. feel free. And Dr. Fontenot, if you want to chime in on that too, feel free as well.
3: Well, I could tell you, and this is Automata from HDA, that uh, this year uh, the research committee in our organization is um, working on a white paper that will be talking about the uh, the uh, Hispanic in the sense of the the uh, workforce and the dental needs uh so hopefully that will will help um shine some light in what is it that we need so that's part of the um the uh, new uh venue that we're taking with the research committee we also uh launched the um as many of you know the first um bilingual uh peer review uh journal and it brings in some of the uh hispanic and non-hispanic authors uh and it's, it showcases us Hispanics okay so that is a way of showing that we're moving forward and we're doing something uh for sure hopefully the white paper uh of the research committee will be uh, Uh, ready by uh, uh, October or November and we're all looking forward to reading about that.
4: So um, we're all in on our youth. We want our youth to change the world. So it's not just about more Native dentists. We need more Native dentists, but we need more Native um, people running dental clinics, administrative duties. We need more Native people taking home those big salaries in Native communities and spending their money there and being involved in the community where they work. Um, and we need more health professionals who are Native so that the entire community can thrive on a higher level. So it, it's it's not just dentistry. It's not just um, Native dentists, but, but we put all those resources and support into our youth pursuing dentistry because we want them to be overall successful leaders and highly involved in the community. Um, and that's how, that's how we improve oral health because then it translates to your family. It translates to people you interact with. Um, you know, and even, even the pre-dental students are, you know, coming in, joining us at set and they go home and they're like, telling all their family, take your kid in, get them checked, you know? (laughs) Mom, have you gotten your checkup this year? Like, you know, it's the impact. Um, And so we really, we do do community outreach and we do do other things, but like we want to see our youth take those positions and be those leaders in our community um, because it betters the entire community. Thank you.
2: Okay, so for, for the National Dental Association, we're wanting to eliminate these disparities within our communities. And so we're increasing um, health and oral health literacy in our underserved communities. And also what was a big focus this year was bringing awareness and to social the social determinants. And we had our convention in Phoenix And when we started doing the research, we found out about this redlining where African-American pregnant women have no health insurance. They only have emergency care in hospital, no prenatal care. And also we, which doesn't, deal with oral health per se, but it does because it's the overall health, this food desert, the food desert mm-hmm. where the patients in these and residents in these underserved communities don't have the quality of food that they need to stay healthy. So we're bringing attention to that and we always have known about the zip coding and, yeah. and determines where you live and what kind yes. of access you have. So we're talking about that and We're also concentrating on this interprofessional communication collaboration to achieve patient and family-centered care. And I didn't mention this earlier, but the National Dental Association's award-winning program, NDA Health Now, which stands for Health Equity Access Literature Technology and HOPE National Outreach on Wheels, we, that's where we really do our outreach programs. And we have participated in the Greater New York Dental Meeting every year where we train nursing students from NYU at that convention because even in their training prior to us doing the oral screenings with them and teaching them how, it was just like everything else. Open your mouth and you look back at the throat and you bypass the oral cavity completely. So that's been a, a very successful program. And we actually instituted it at the convention this year with the nursing students from Arizona, I don't know if it was state or Arizona University, but one of the universities there in Phoenix. And so we know we will continue this. And we've also held interprofessional student summits that included students from um, around the country. It was uh, nursing students, medical students, um, students in social social work, s- social and, work, and, and public mm-hmm. policy. Oh, so those are the, the different areas. I had more, but I won't continue because there's a whole lot of areas that we need to concentrate on to make a difference in our in our
0: communities. Yeah, it's definitely an interdisciplinary effort. It's not gonna be just from one side that will address all of these challenges or oral health disparities. Well, that was a lot of information. I think um, we could host each of you for your own individual podcast in the future, just so we can delve more into the unique communities that um, the Diverse Dental Society is composed of. we're going to move into something a little bit, hopefully, fun for our listeners, but we want to um, we want you all to share some oral health tips from each of your communities. So I'll start with Dr. Moda. Um, what would you like to share with our audience today as an oral health tip?
3: Well, I always say uh, to my patients, don't just tell me that you floss. Use your toothbrush. And they <laughs> laugh at me. And... And, and I said this because sometimes you ask the question, you, you've you been brushing and there is a silence. And then you flush? Yes. How many times? Twice a day. So don't tell me that you flush. Please use your toothbrush. That's my advice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Dr. Lee, uh, what's your oral health tip? So... I- so the first tip is to floss first, then brush, and always use a soft toothbrush. And I used to tell the children patients, because they said, well, I like hard. And I said, well, the only thing you need to use the hard toothbrush on is the hubcaps on your parents' cars. <laughs> so that was my tip. But I read one recently, and I it, it makes so much sense to me, but i would never done it. And it was... Don't rinse your mouth. If you're using a fluoridated toothpaste, don't rinse. You just spit it out if you want the fluoride to work. And so you rinse your mouth out first after you've flossed and then brush your teeth. And let me say expectorate, not spit. But (laughs) And (laughs) then so you allow the toothpaste
4: to do its job. And Dr. Hassett? Yeah. So I'm going to, um, as we roll out of the pandemic and as we, um, also are coming into flu season, I'm just going to remind everyone, if you get sick, change your toothbrush and every three months change your toothbrush. Um, if your bristles look flat, change your toothbrush. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and if you're not sure change your toothbrush. Um, and that's my, my number one thing. Um, remind everyone that uh you you do need to swap it out from time to time especially if you're sick or it's been a while yes
1: yes so thank you so so much so can i get a round of applause for our first guest on the mouthful podcast thank you thank you thank you ladies you all have been so awesome and again as dr fontaineau said earlier is lovely to see women in leadership roles, you know, to give our children that inspiration to move forward. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Lee, Dr. Moda, and Dr. Hasi for joining us today. We hope your schedule allows you to join us again on another episode of The Mouthful.
1: And we also want to thank our listeners and to join us on the next episode of the Mouthful podcast will be out October 24th. So until next
0: time, keep smiling. Welcome to the Mouthful podcast, where the diverse dental society amplifies our voices to discuss the importance of oral health for everyone.
1: All health is such a vital component of overall health, and that is the message we want to share with you. Together, we can improve quality of life.